welcome everybody. So happy to be here again and to see um, many of the faces from last week and I believe some new ones also. Um, and if you remember, my mom was on screen last week and this time she's actually in my living room. So <laughs> hi mom, and which is very nice. Okay, so I'm gonna switch around the title from oil and miracles to miracles and oil because <laughs> the truth is most of the discussion is going to be about miracles and then we'll see how oil relates um but forget the title for a second and you tell me uh if you want you can use the chat box let's try to use the chat box first if you know how and if you don't then is the chat open rabbi ari yeah great so if you do great and if not you can uh say it afterwards like if the word association game if we were going to play it with hanukkah when somebody says Hanukkah, what comes to mind? What do you think? What words come to mind when somebody says the word Hanukkah or Hanukkah or ever? What comes to mind? Let's see if we could get any in the chat box. And if not, I'll invite you uh, to unmute yourself briefly. Light. Parties. Childhood. Childhood, says my mother. Rededication of the Beis HaMikdash, latkes. Yeah, absolutely. Light, parties, Beis HaMikdash, latkes. Any other ones? Oil. See, there we go, you know. I, I, I gave you a hint, but that, that's good too. Family singing, playing, beautiful. Gelt, Hanukkah gelt. What would it be without Hanukkah gelt? Dreidel. Lovely, lovely. Hi, Ellie, Riva and Ellie. That's fantastic. Amazing. Okay, anybody want to unmute yourself if you didn't do the chat? I don't know if that's everybody. That might have been everybody. Okay, <clears throat> lovely. So yes, there is something about lights, of course. Hanukkah light, right? We light the candles. Hanukkah is all about the special light of Hanukkah. And light is something that we um, spoke about last week in that there is an element to, to Judaism, to Torah, to mitzvot, uh, to being a Jewish person that is uh, that transcends the world, that transcends our intellect we spoke about. And that quality is a very, it's, it's very similar to light. So light, and we're gonna see how that ties into the, the two really uh, things we're gonna talk about tonight. Um, miracles, you ever hear somebody say, it's a Hanukkah miracle, right? It's a, somehow anything that's a miracle, it's always a Hanukkah miracle. Is there any, any sort of miracle, even if it's, um, you know, in, in modern history or the slightest thing in your in your own life that happens and you recognize God in it, oh, it's a Hanukkah miracle. So miracle, we, we relate to Hanukkah and oil, latkes, uh, those are two of the things we had here, right? The latkes is because of the oil. Um, this is also very related to uh, Hanukkah, not only related to Hanukkah, but as we see, there's something very essential about Hanukkah that is about oil. Uh, the latkes that we eat, the donuts that we eat, the, the pounds that we gain, I mean, it's all the oil, right? It's all the oil. So, but we also light the menorah. If candles, there are, uh, you can light a menorah with candles. 
And some say that the preferred way is with oil because that was the original way that it was done. And the whole miracle with the, the menorah and the base of Mikdash was with oil, that the oil was found. The jug of oil was found. The oil lasted eight days. So there is something very special here about oil. I think a few more uh, boxes popped up. So welcome. Um, I, I'm not limiting you to boxes. <laughs> not trying to box you in. I just, that's how I noticed that more people were here. So more people, that's a better way of saying it. More people showed up. Welcome, welcome. Um, so yes, yeah, something about oil that is Hanukkah and something about miracles. Like we said, it's a Hanukkah miracle, right? So what is a miracle? And really, if we look at the text, um, Rabbi Ari, am I able to share screen? Sure. Because we're going to take a look in the text. Okay, fantastic. Now, I'm going to try harder to get the right one on this time. Let's see. Is this it? Post attendee Zoom. It's probably this one. There we go. Lovely. Okay. I got to move this thing. Okay. So if you see here my um, Google Doc with the source sheet that I would give you in person if we were in person, but we're not. So you get to see it on my screen and on your screen, however you're watching. Uh, we have Haneros Halalu. And we have in this text that we say after lighting the candles, we actually mention three kinds of miracles. So we kindles, we kindle these lights to commemorate Tishuos. Now I can't highlight it because it's like a picture like that. You see that? So I can't exactly highlight that word. So I'm just going to point to it right here. Hatishuos. That's one kind of miracle, a Yeshua. Uh, that one's the one that we're most familiar with. A nace, right? A nace, misim. And as we see, all of these are actually plural. Um, so there are tishuos, a Yeshua. The vav and the saf connotes pluralis. There's plural. There's more than one Yeshua that happened in the Hanukkah saga. Nisim, more than one nace miracle. And niflaos, it's another kind of miracle, a pella. And again, this is plural with the vav and the saf that connotes connotes uh, that it is more than one. So saving acts, miracles, and wonders, which you have performed for our forefathers in those days at this time. Interestingly, if we, add, if we go to the end of this same paragraph, we mention these three miracles again, but in a different order. So at the very end, al nisecha, now we're mentioning the nace first. Va'al niflo secha. Now we're mentioning the pella, the wonderment, second. And the Yeshua, third. So why the discrepancy, right? Why do we have it in one order in the beginning and one order at the end? And really, what is the miracle of Hanukkah that we're lighting the menorah for? What's the miracle that we're celebrating? And as we'll see, there are quite a few miracles that we're celebrating. Um, so, and it can't be, if you, actually, let me just ask you, again, a text or how about actually better yet? Let me stop share for a moment so I could see you all. Either you can, let's try chat again. It worked pretty nicely. Would you like to chat 
Which miracle do you think Hanukkah is celebrating? If you had to name one miracle, the miracle of Hanukkah is? What's the miracle of Hanukkah? Transformation. Ooh, we're going deep here. All right. Dedication. So, oh my goodness, you guys are going too deep for me. <laughs> I just thought the miracle. Wow, look at this. Oh my goodness, survival, bringing more light into the world, surviving the Greeks without losing our identity. And you are all 100% correct and way deeper than I am. <laughs> this is fantastic. I was going to say, Miracle of Hanukkah, the light in the menorah that they used that was only going to last one day, lasted eight days. A lot of people seem to think that that's, uh, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Adi. Phew. Somebody, <laughs> there we go. Somebody I can relate to. Lovely. The oil lasted for eight days and therefore we light the menorah. But of course, you all, you all show how really the miracles of Hanukkah go way, way, way deeper. So we're only going to mention some of them, but I'm so glad you, you brought up all of those. Um, so yes, the oil lasted eight days. But if you look at the word Yeshua, Yeshua is a salvation. God saved us. Okay, the oil lasted eight days. That's a really nice miracle that God performed us. Is that an act of salvation? An act of saving that God saved us from something? So of course, actually not even mentioned here is there was also the war, the war between the Jewish people and the Greeks that we miraculously won. And as we'll see in the text, we reference it in the text of Al-Hanisa and we'll see it soon. Um, and there's also how we found the jug of oil, even though they, as we mentioned last week, right? That they had tried to defile all of them, not destroy, defile all of them, all of the jugs of oil. And yet one, they found one, wow. So there has to be that not only are there many miracles of Hanukkah. There are many kinds of miracles of Hanukkah. And that is why, and also simply, sorry, in the text, simply army that one, yeah, exactly, the army one also. There we go. So somebody who thinks like me. Good. Um, so very good. So there's actually we're celebrating three kinds of miracles, as well as they're all plural. So God made many miracles of different kinds in the story of Hanukkah. And then we'll understand why the first time, actually, I'm just gonna give you a sneak peek to the answer and then we'll really analyze what they are. But a sneak peek to the answer, I'm gonna show you the text again, cause it's so beautiful how, when you actually look into the text, it really gives you the answer of, of why the order is, is different. Cause in the beginning, what we're saying is these are the miracles in the order in which they happened. Sha'asi said, these are the miracles, the Yeshua, the Nase, and the Pella. These are the miracles that Sha'asi that you did, God did, La'avoseinu, for our forefathers, Bayamim Hahim Bizman Hazer, right? In those days. At this time, these are the miracles that you did for us in chronological order. And we'll understand what they are um, eventually, but that's one order. That's one way of naming the miracles chronologically. But at the end, 
we come to appreciate the miracles in a different order. That what are the miracles there for? Kidei lehodos, in order lehodos to praise, to offer thanks, ulahalel, and to praise. Lehodos, to offer thanks, ulahalel, and to praise, l'shimcha hagadol, for your great name. When we come to appreciate miracles, what they are and, and how they also are in our own lives, then we have come to appreciate them in a different order, uh, which we will appreciate. So that's just a hint to the answer, which we don't fully understand yet because we haven't really analyzed the different kinds of miracles. So the first one let's talk about is really when we think of a miracle, what do we think of? Wow, God did something that totally broke the laws of nature. This is not how it's supposed to be. And yet God did it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how certain things, you know, in the course of Jewish history, right? God split the sea. Wow. Unbelievable miracle. Um, God, you know, the oil that should have lasted one day, right? It lasted eight days. Unbelievable. Beyond the laws of nature, because nature, any scientist will tell you this amount of oil will only last uh, one day and let, and yet it lasted eight. So a nace, the word nace, oh, I forgot to stop share. Here we go. The word nace, miracle, the way we usually talk about it, is something that transcends nature, transcends the way that life usually works, that the world usually works. And the truth is God created the world to work through nature. So most things that we see in our day and in our lives go with nature. And it's very easy to be fooled that that's all there is. And so once in a while, God kind of shows face and gives us an outright miracle. And you know whether you've, you've, you're thinking this in terms of Jewish history, or if you've experienced such an outright miracle in your own life, God kind of sometimes just reveals himself in these, um, in these ways with, with these miracles. Um, for example, and this is part of the Hanukkah story, if you have a very small army that wins a huge army that's way, way, way bigger, that's a miracle. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense at all that a group of, of you know, the Maccabees, a very small group of really just a handful of yeshiva buchers, you know, yeshiva boys who were sitting and learning Torah all day and didn't have any proper ammunition and didn't have any proper um, ammunition um, and no, no training and no experience with war can defeat the biggest army in the world, right? That's an outright miracle. Now, of course, the truth is, now I'm sure it's not nobody here, um, because, you know, if we're, if we're here, then we already have a sense and appreciation of, um, of something that transcends that, that there, that the God in the world that transcends nature. But some people, including our, ourselves when we're in a skeptical mood sometimes. So really all of us have a little piece of this inside of us, I'm sure as well. Um, sometimes we even deny God, even when it is an outright miracle. And I'll just tell you an interesting example that I discovered recently. Somebody told me about a research paper. Ironically, or not so ironically, it was um, written for a journal called Nature. 
And it was analyzing, I'll even show it to you. And it was analyzing, uh, here we go. Um, no, not there, there we go. Here, in here, this is the, this is on ResearchGate. It's called, why were SCUD casualties so low? In the Gulf War, 39 SCUD missiles were pointed towards Israel. Many of them hit populated areas and yet only two people were directly killed from these 39 SCUD missiles, many of which were, which were in populated areas. So to you and I, hopefully we look at this and we say, wow, what a miracle, what a nace. God performed a miracle in, in modern day Israel. This is incredible. And yet there's this paper written, why were SCUD casualties so low? And I'm just gonna give you a, a, a little sneak out. In this article, they have a section called coincidence. Coincidence. Yes, substantial statistical fluctuations are expected in attacks. And since, and luck, here we go. Luck must have played a crucial role. And indeed there's considerable anecdotal evidence that good fortune played an important role in reducing casualties in Israel. So there will always be people who even in the face of an outright miracle from God that transcends all reason, that transcends nature, goes beyond our wildest imagination. And some people will always find a way to um, show, show, oh no, it's, you know, it's a coincidence. It's luck, it's good fortune. Or even there have been, um, I've even heard that there've been people, I mentioned Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the Red Sea. There have been people who try to explain it as, you know, a real good gust of wind, right? So hopefully we're a little bit more spiritually mature than that, and we can recognize a miracle for what it is. So miracles are transcending nature. Now there's another kind on the other end of the spectrum, because as we'll see, really it's a spectrum. They aren't necessarily so distinct, but there's, um, there's a range of miracles. And so on the other side of the spectrum, you'll have a Yeshua, right? Tishuos, al HaTishuos, a Yeshua, a salvation. And what is that? That is even when something totally can happen according to the rules and laws of nature, it's possible. And yet we still need God's Yeshua. We still need God's help, God's um, support. And not only that, but when, when things do go our way, even within the context of nature, it's our job, uh, especially as the Jewish people, to recognize that God was involved here and that God doesn't only appear in the world when there are these big revelations of God's big miracles transcending nature, but that God is also involved in the world in the small ways that, wow, you know, that turned out well, that worked out for me. It could have, you know, it's not like the odds were against me, but it still worked out for me. And then that's an opportunity for us to notice God. And even when it's in, within our everyday lives and say, thank you. And that's one of the lessons we'll see. We really learned from Hanukkah to appreciate all of God's miracles from whichever end of the spectrum they fall. 
So an example of this kind of miracle would be a war. Let's say, you know, you go to, again, this is the big, big examples and we'll find examples for our own lives. But let's say a country goes to war with another country and they pretty much an equal playing field and one of them wins. So really either of them could have won and one of them did. Okay, so they say, thank you Hashem for making our side win. But it wasn't like this great miracle that they win, that they won, but still they recognize God's salvation, that God was on their side, God helped them out, God supported them. What if everyone here put in one raffle ticket to a raffle and one of us won? The person who would win would, wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, it's a miracle that I won, unless you really have very bad luck. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it's, you know, if statistically speaking, one of us would win. And yet we could still be like, wow, thank you, God, for making me win. This was great, you know? And we recognize that Hashem makes those things happen. So that's the two spectrums. And in the middle is something called the Pella. Uh, the pay lamid aleph. Now, a pella is a wonderment. What do, what, what's the word we use on a daily basis? Or at least me, I'm very expressive. So what's the word we use to express a wonderment? Wow. Wow. It's like, I'm just thinking my, my long time ago when my, ne uh, my cousin was 18 months and he's from Israel. He was 18 months and he came to visit us in New York and he saw snow for the first time. And he goes, wow, you know? And hopefully we all have those, those moments in our lives or even in our, in our day, hopefully, where it's like, wow, that's amazing. And those are the times that we also need to recognize God's involvement and how God is making that happen. And those wow, the wow factor that, God is behind those wows. So again, it's not necessarily, um, it's not a nace because it's not things that are absolutely transcending nature, not things that are impossible, we couldn't have possibly imagined, but things that happen to us that can be explained according to nature, can be explained in, in an everyday way, but maybe is out of the ordinary. It's something a little special or maybe statistically low chances, if you have a math mathematical mind, right? So back to our raffle, if everyone here put in 50 tickets into a raffle, but only one of us put in one, and the one person who, who put in one raffle ticket is the one that won, wow, <laughs> that's incredible. That's very statistically low chances of that happening. So we'd all be like, wow, that's, that's a little nuts. And so this is another kind of miracle that we do need to recognize as a miracle. Um, and, and, hope, and, and what we're gonna try to do from learning about this is recognize these things in our lives. Now, maybe you might not find these big mace miracles, the transcendent nature ones all day, every day in your life, and that's okay because God reserves them so that we don't get used to him breaking um, the laws of nature all the time. He wants us to live in a world that, that runs according to nature. And then sometimes he gives us those, those revelations. Um, but hopefully what we will learn to recognize is 
the Pellas, the wows in our lives, and recognize that those are from God. And even the Yeshua's, even when I get to work in the morning without a car accident, thank God, you know, to get to the other side and be like, wow, thank you, God. You know, there chances are it could go either way. <laughs> I mean, hopefully I'm a better driver. That's chances are I won't be in an accident, but you know, it's not always, it's not always in our control. There are things that happen. Um, but so getting, getting to our destination. Thank you, God. Um, that's why a Jew is so, is so cognizant of, of even these things that, you know, we take for granted, like, like car travel and airplane travel and things like that. And we get, we could get ourselves into the habit of giving a little tzedakah, giving some money to charity before we go somewhere to recognize, you know, even though statistically speaking, I should get there just fine. Still, I need God's Yeshua. I need God's um, God to be on my side, kind of, so to speak, God to help me out and, and actually um, assure that I get there safely. So we give a little bit of charity to show God that we want you to be to be with us in this journey. And so we do have to recognize that there is a, like I said, it's a range, it's a scale. And to recognize the Nisim that are totally beyond nature, the Pelas, the out of the ordinary, those wow moments. I'll give you an example. My friend um, recently was their their lease is up in February, and they really want to move out of their apartment and move into a house, still rent, but rent a house. And um, they actually found a few days ago their dream dream house, also to rent. You know, don't get too excited, but um, still their dream house. And then they were wondering if they'd be able to get for the the rent that they desired and. Um, the landlord said, yes, they could do it for a reasonable rent. And the only problem was, is that their rent, their lease is up in February and the house they're going to go to is only going to be available in March. So they said, what are we going to do for a month? I'm going to be homeless for a month. How am I supposed to, how am I supposed to live like that? That sounds very disorienting. Where are we going to go? Where are we going to stay? How are we going to do it? How's that gonna work? This sounds really like a tough situation, but maybe we should do it anyway because it's our dream house. And I said, don't limit God. God can make a miracle. You never know. Either maybe where you're staying, if you ask the office management and usually statistically speaking, they are very tough, the management. I saw, I passed by today in Atlanta, um, uh, I passed by um, oh, like homes, that, and it said that the property was owned by OCD management. I would never rent a place from OCD management. I don't know about you. And I'm sorry if any of you live there, because actually I realize it's not too far maybe from in town. But um, <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. So the management of where she lives is pretty much OCD management. And I said, you never know if a miracle happens and they'll agree to let you stay in an extra month. Or maybe... Maybe God will make another miracle and the people who you're, you're trying to get the house from, they'll leave a month early and you'll be able to go straight in February. And a day or two later, she texts me today. Um, unbelievable. They're, they're leaving a month early and we could go straight in February. 
know, God, God does it. And she felt so grateful. So like, wow, Hashem is so good to me. And you know, how, what do I do to deserve this? And I said, it's not about deserving. It's not about deserving. God loves doing these things for us. We just, as my mother always says, we need to be a vessel. We need to open ourselves up. We need to be a cup to, to open ourselves up and to accept God's abundance and his blessings. And yes, his miracles. God is ready and willing and wanting to do miracles for us every day. And we just have to be open to that. And if we limit ourselves, well, that's not possible. Well, who's in charge here? Nature or God? And that's the recognition of Hanukkah is, wow, God is actually pulling the strings of everything. Not only these big events that happen, six-day war miracles, Gulf War miracles, but even the little things in my life, making it work out, you know, jobs and, and houses and getting to work even, whatever it is that we're dealing with in our life, uh, the big and the small, God is making that happen and we got to be open to God's miracles, whether it's a nace, a Pella, or even a Yeshua, not out of the ordinary, but recognizing that Hashem is helping. And of course, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm hesitant to use this example because it could be a sensitive, I don't know what people are going through, but uh, very often we see these three kinds of miracles in a um, when there's like a, a medical situation going on, if somebody's having a health problem and they get a medical prognosis, sometimes the prognosis is, is so bad that we really need a nace and we daven, we ask God, we beseech God to make an outright miracle. And sure enough, we have many, many, many stories where where God does make such outright miracles and people have miraculous recoveries and doctors are wowed and not just wow as in the pillow wow, but like that, like, for example, just my, my sister was born um, medically fragile with um, holes in her heart and very small lungs and brain damage. And, oh, and I won't get into even more details, but the doctors didn't, didn't think she'd make it um at all they wanted to as we say unplug her you know at just a week old and of course we we didn't do that my i mean she's eight years older than me my parents did not agree to that and unbelievably she is 32 32 years old right now kenai nahara and she was off she went off oxygen miraculously a few years back and um, and now she's actually back on oxygen, but we know that God can make miracles in the same way he had her live, which was totally a nace, not a Pella, a complete and total nace. Uh, he can, and then he did the a Pella, a wonderment of one day, she just didn't need oxygen anymore. Wow, that's incredible. Who would have thunk? And he could do it again. So we dive in for people, whether it's we're asking that Hashem should perform an outright miracle for them. That's totally beyond what uh, what doctors expect, what nature expects. We also ask God to to make us these these, um, you know, statistically speaking, it's a low chance for this person to survive or do well or to get better or whatever it is. And we ask God to, to help us in those situations as well. And even when like, 
you know, something could go either way, we still ask Hashem for help that it should go well, right? So that's just an, an example how you can kind of, if you know somebody or you or yourself or whoever you're, or whoever you know with a medical situation, you can kind of feel where it's on on the spectrum of miracles, what kind of miracle we're asking from God. Again, I hope that wasn't too sensitive. Um, so back to the order, I already gave a sneak peek to the answer, but the first order, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the screen share here. Uh, and then we'll go back to this document. Here we go. So this first order is Teshua, Nisim, and, and, and Niflaos, as we said, this is a historical order. That God did for us in those times. What's the historical order? So the truth is actually, uh, this isn't as well known, but the first thing that happened was just a Yeshua. We like to think of the Maccabees fighting the larger Greek army, but that was actually the second time they encountered the Greeks in battle. The first time was in Modin, their home, the hometown of, of this family, um, the Hashmunai family, and with Matisio, the, the head, the father of this family. Um, and these were the people, right, who made the, the, the Maccabees. And the Greeks were coming from town to town to try to get the Jewish people to bow down to idols. And, and they brought uh, pigs on an altar and they tried to get people to, to really assimilate to the Greek culture and the Greek way. And even it goes so far as to serve idols. And um, of course, this, this family with such strength, they refused, but you can't just refuse the army. The Greeks that were there in their location, they, they had to actually fight them in order to stand up for their, you know, their, um, their not wanting to, to acquiesce. So they had a small battle, a small group of Jewish people against the small group of Greeks that were in that locale, that were stationed there. And this, the fact that they won was not so statistically crazy. It was amazing. Hashem was on their side. Hashem gave them, made them win. And that's why we recognize it as a Yeshua, the first miracle of Hanukkah. It was a Yeshua. Hashem showed them a salvation, saved them, and was on their side and, and, and allowed them to win that small battle. And from there, more commonly, as we speak about, is the big nace, the big miracle, where now this small group of people, they couldn't stop there because now the Greeks had to bring in backup, right? If you're going to kill our, our soldiers stationed in, in Modi'in, we have to send backup. But their backup was the entire, you know, the massive Greek army, right? The most sophisticated in the whole world then, with the elephants and everything, right? And so the fact that a small group of, uh, as I said before, yeshiva boys who just really learned Torah all day and didn't really know much of how to, how to fight, that they won this massive Greek army, that outright miracle, total nace, totally transcendent of nature. And as we see actually in Al-Hanisim, which we say um, in the Shemona Esrei prayer, and in Birkat HaMazon, when we bench after bread, we really talk a lot about this war here. So this is, is really one of the big miracles of the day. 
what do we say? Matisyahu in the days of Matisyo, the Kohen Gadol, Hashmonai, Vanav, the Hashmonai and his sons, they stood up against the Greek, the Greek, uh, the king, the Greek kingdom and and if you remember that's what we spoke about last year the goal of the Greeks was to make the Jewish people forget the Torah and to transgress God's will the laws of God's will and let's just skip a little bit here okay here we go so what happened God Masarta, you, the ta is you in Hebrew, you, God, gave them over, gave the giborim, the strong, gibor, the strong, over biyad into the hands of halashim, the weak. You gave the strong Greek army into the hands of the weak, the little yeshiva boys who made a little, you know, called themselves an army. And then virabim, the great, the many, the massive Greek army, Biad, into the hands of Ma'atim, a few, a handful of people. Of course, if uh, that's what we're focusing on right now, but just do pay attention while we're here, how it says Utimeim and the impure ones, Biad Tahorim, into the hands of the pure, because of course that really relates to last week's class. Okay, so the strong in the hands of the weak and the many in the hands of the few. I didn't have an English translation there, so I was going through the Hebrew. And that was the next miracle of Hanukkah, the nace of Hanukkah. Um, and then I'm going to stay on here for a moment because we're going to need it. Um, the Pella, the next chronological thing that happened uh, was when they came into, they won the war, they came into the Beis HaMikdash. And as we spoke about at length last week, they saw how the jugs of oil were all defiled and unable to be used. And what happened here in the Gemara, same source as last week, So the Greeks had entered the Beis HaMikdash. Heichal is a word for the, referring to the Beis HaMikdash. And they defiled, right? They did not destroy, they defiled all. And, I, and we pointed out here, call all. They, their, their intent was to defile every single one of the, the shmanim, the jugs of oil used in the base of Mikdash. And yet, wow, they found one. Wow, that's a Pella. Incredible. Unbelievable. And some people don't talk about it as a miracle of Hanukkah because it's not this transcendent nature miracle, right? The like that we talk about the one they won the war or the oil lasted for eight days. But here we see a Pella, it's a wonderment, and it has to be recognized as a Hanukkah miracle still. Hanukkah miracle still. The fact that they found one jug of oil that and they recognize that this is no coincidence you know in a, in a written up in a paper called nature this is a hanukkah miracle this is from god that god made sure that even though they tried to defile every single one god made sure there would be one left for us to light and of course it doesn't end there and that's why we see that they're all in plural because we just went through three miracles in hanukkah without even mentioning the eight days and which is, of course, a nace, an outright miracle. So all of them were plural. Tishuos, nisim, niflaos, all of those showing how there were many of each of those kinds of miracles on Hanukkah. And the second order, which I just stopped screen share, but the truth is, 
let's go back to it again, because the second order in Hanera Salalu at the end, as we mentioned, is for a different purpose. It's for the purpose of praising God, of recognizing his miracles. Kidei, in order, lahodos ulahalel, to offer thanks and to praise God's great name. And when we're recognizing and praising and thanking God for the miracles that he does, what do we, what's the order that we do? First, when a mace happens, an outright miracle that transcends nature, that of course is the greatest revelation of God. And we immediately recognize the God, that God is behind it. And we immediately thank and praise God for those miracles. Thing is, Hanukkah is here to teach us not to stop there. That we also, with work, and it takes work, and it takes effort to start thinking in this way. But if we open up our eyes, we can also begin to think and praise God, not only for the outright miracles in our lives, but for the niflosecha, for your wonderments, for these amazing things that you do for me. But al Yeshua secha, and how you're really just with me. And you're doing, you're, you're helping me all day long. Even in the things that I like to feel successful in, um, I, you know, there's, there's, I teach first graders, including Ellie Solish, Kriya, how to read in Hebrew. And Kenai Nahara, they're, they're so successful in their reading and they're doing so, so, so well. And they're starting to feel a little like pride, like, wow, you know, and on the one hand, you know, you allow them to feel that pride and you allow them to feel good about themselves and how well they're doing. And we also say, don't forget that all our success also comes from God. And right, Ellie, right? Did we say Baruch Hashem? Baruch Hashem, you're reading so nicely. You're already doing nekudos and you're reading. It's amazing. And actually, remember what we said, Ellie? Nes gadol, what do we, what do we have on a, on a dreidel? Nes gadol haya sham. And Ellie Solish can already read haya with the kamats, haya, and sham, two of the most important words of Hanukkah. Kalakavod. And Baruch Hashem. Thank God for my success. You know, if I'm doing well in my business and my schooling and my life and my family, whatever it is, also to recognize Yeshua. And actually, I even brought it down from Tehillim down here. Tehillim says this, La Hashem HaYeshua. So the brachas, the brachas that Hashem gives us, the Yeshuos that Hashem gives us in our day-to-day -day life, it's La Hashem, it's, it's from God to recognize that our successes and the things that go well in life are really, even these everyday things are from God and that we also need to, kidei, back up, hope you're not getting dizzy, kidei, we need to thank and praise God for those things too. Um, and, and once we're talking about the relationship between thanking God and praising God and recognizing God and our success, I just want you to see for a moment that it was in this past week's Parsha so clearly in Parsha's Vayeshev, which is um, always connected to Hanukkah. Let's see if I can get it here. If you see from, this is the text from last week's Parsha, Vayehi Hashem es Yosef, and the Lord was with God. I mean, sorry, the Lord God was with Yosef. And he was a successful man. 
like Hatzlacha Raba, right? Hatzlacha, we should have success. He was successful man. Adonav Hamitrin, he was in the house of his Egyptian master. We know Potiphar. Vayar Adonav, and his master Potiphar saw Ki Hashem Ito, that God was with him. And whatever Yosef did, the Lord Hashem, God, made prosper in his hand. So the, his success came from God. And not only that, but what does it mean, Ki Hashem Ito? That that Vayar Adonav, that his master saw, his master Potiphar recognized that God was Ito with him. What does that mean that God was with him? And how did Potiphar recognize that God was with him? Okay, so knew he's a successful man. Potiphar recognized that his success was coming from God and that God was with Yosef and was the one causing Yosef's success because, as Rashi tells us, Hashem Ito means Shem Shamayim Shagor Bapiv, the name of heaven, Shem Shamayim, the name of heaven, meaning God. Shagor was frequent Bapiv in his mouth. He always constantly attributed his success to God. He said, Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem for my success. And so we see you're right in last week's parsha, this integral connection between our success and recognizing and praising and thanking God. So that's just a nice Parsha connection. So let's take it a step further now. Now that we've analyzed three miracles of Hanukkah, the historical, the chronological connection, the praise and thanks connection, how we need to recognize God in our lives, whether it's a Nase, a Pella, Yeshua, whatever it is, Hanukkah, as we said, is about miracles. And that is why it's eight days long. Seven, and then we'll get to eight. Seven in Judaism is always related to nature, to God, to God's presence within nature, within the way he runs the world on a nat natural day-to-day -day basis. Most classic example, how many days did, did God, right? Did God create the world in? Now, by the way, it's a, funny, it's a funny question because if you think about it, God created the world, you know, acts of creation on the six, on six days and then he rested on the seventh day. But you needed that, that element of Shabbos, that seventh day element of rest in order to complete the rest of creation, right? So we have seven days. Now, I don't know about you, but I have thought about how, you know, why has the entire world adopted a seven day week? Is there anything, is there anything intrinsic about it? Or is it, you know, scientifically speaking, arbitrary? And fascinatingly enough, there's nothing, you know, intrinsic about needing to have a seven, a seven day week other than God created the world in seven days. And therefore, the whole world has somehow adopted keeping a seven-day week. I did once hear, and I'm sorry I didn't research it enough to, to explain it to, uh, to reference the proper source for this, but I did once hear that there was a time that some society culture, maybe if anybody knows, you're welcome to, to unmute yourself and butt in, um, try to change how many days of the week. Yes, I see Rabbi Ari nodding his head. Do you remember, you've heard of this? 
Yeah, I think it was the Persians that experimented with a 10-day week, which is why um, Esther, why when she was taken, why she struck, why she had to have seven assistants that, that, that were on a rotation so that she would keep straight when Shabbos was because she couldn't go by the calendar. She couldn't go. That's fascinating because I do remember learning that about Esther having the seven uh, maids for each day of the week, but that's, wow, incredible. And yet it didn't last. It didn't last. Why? There's something that the whole world recognizes has to be seven days. And it's really a tribute to God creating the world in seven days. And really, there's all sorts of sevens in, in Judaism. Uh, the natural cycle of seven days. There's also the natural cycle that God put into the world of Shemitah, seven years. And the seventh year being a sabbatical year for the land of Israel. And then there are seven cycles of Shemitah, which then turns into something called Yovel. Now, I'm not going to get into all of these things, but there are many, many, many. In fact, if you're uh, interested in a, in a comical depiction of, um, of all the sevens in Torah, there is a video by uh, this guy named Ari Lesser. I find him hilarious. Here he is. And this is just to show you in Ari Lesser sevens. You know, you could look it up if you're interested. But um, and he names so 11 minutes worth in this incredible beat, uh, rhythmic way that he, I don't know if you want to call it a song or a poem or whatever, a rap, thank you, that he um, talks about all the sevens in Torah. So seven though in Torah always symbolizes the natural, the nature. Eight, on the other hand, is one step beyond nature. You know, eight days a week. I mean, the Beatles were onto something. So eight days a week, there aren't eight days a week. And I always thought about it, like, what did they mean by it? I remember as a kid, like really thinking like, there aren't eight days, <laughs> you know, there has to be this transcendent eight that goes beyond the week of seven, something that goes beyond nature. And we had, sure enough, when the Jews built the tabernacle, they worked for seven days to set up the tabernacle, the Mishkan. And it was on the eighth day that God came down in his presence, in his Shina, and rested um, his presence upon the, the tabernacle. Because it's the eighth that shows that we are, that God is bringing his transcendent being into the nature, into nature, because that's the amazing thing. Of course, we know a bris or circumcision happens on the eighth day. The child is living for a full cycle of seven. He's made it in the natural world. And now we're going to add to him an, an, a supernatural, a transcendent quality of really becoming a Jew with a circumcision. circumcision. So eight symbolizes not only that God's transcending nature, but that God is transcending nature within nature because guess what? Seven is included in eight. You can't get to eight without seven because that's how God wants to work. He wants to be transcending. Um, he is transcending, transcendent of nature, but within nature. So in truth, that's really what we're getting to. We're getting to the miracles of Hanukkah are to teach us not only that God transcends nature, that God sometimes performs miracles. Because, you know, we have lots of other holidays to celebrate that. Pesach, right? Pesach is full of outright miracles. We don't need Hanukkah to teach us how God 
makes these outright miracles. That's definitely part of Hanukkah, but the beauty of Hanukkah is Hanukkah doesn't stop there. Hanukkah says, yes, God does me seem. God performs these incredible miracles beyond tr transcending nature, but don't only recognize God when he does that. We have to recognize that the same God that transcends nature also permeates nature. And this is we're getting to the quality of oil. And I, I love this. What do we know about oil? We know two things about oil. We know one quality of oil is that it transcends. It rises above in water, right? If you have a cup of water and you pour some oil, no matter how much you try to shake it up, eventually it'll rise because oil has a transcendent quality. But there's another thing that we know about oil. If you were to take the latkes that we made and put it on this napkin, and sure enough, this happened on Shabbos, I put my latkes in paper towels so that it would eat up at least some of the oil, and the entire paper towel was seeped through with oil. Because what do we know about oil? It permeates, right? It spreads out everything into everything it touches. And that's why, of course, we don't want any oil stains on our clothes because it's not gonna stop there. It's gonna start to, per it permeates it so much that it's very hard to get out. Oil stains are very hard to get out because not only does it transcend, it also permeates napkins and clothes and whatever. And this is the next thing we, we spoke about last week. What is it about the Jewish people that the Greeks could not understand? So this is another thing about Judaism that the Greeks could not understand. How an infinite and transcendent God, a God that's really beyond nature, and as we spoke about last week, is beyond even intellect, and he's beyond, he comes before the world, right? He created the world, he's beyond the world, and he transcends the world, and yet, how he could also permeate the world with his presence, God's presence, is permeating the world, right? We know Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Up, up, down, down, right, left, and all around, he's in everything. God permeates all of creation, but also with his, not only with his presence, but with his involvement. That God permeates this world and our lives with his involvement. That Hashem is involved and he cares a bit to be involved with our lives, making for us nisim, niflaos, and yeshuos, all sorts of miracles, big and small, for us every single day. That's the power of Hanukkah. Some people like to believe that God, they're not going to go so far as to say that there is no God, but they'll say, okay, there's a God. God created the world, and then, you know, hanging out in the seventh heaven somewhere. And he left the world to really do its own thing. And it's a very common perspective on God. God's not involved in my life. What does he care? But what we're learning, what we're seeing from the miracles of Hanukkah is that God doesn't only do Nisim, that, oh, he's beyond the world. And every once in a while, he opens up his eyes. Oh, I better save the day or else. I better get involved in this situation. But he's involved in Pelas, in Yeshua's, in the wow moments, in the everyday moments, that God is involved and cares to be involved in our everyday life.
So the first lesson that we must learn from the story of Hanukkah and the miracles of Hanukkah and the fact that everything, that, that everything is a Hanukkah miracle, from big and small to recognize the Hanukkah miracles in our everyday life. And also that the Torah that we learn, the Judaism in our life must also have this quality, not just of being transcendent, above, oh, it's this really cool thing I tap into sometimes. And then I get back to my, my regular routine, my regular life. And I go to these nice Torah classes by in town. And then I come home and I do my, but that this, the Torah that we learn should permeate our lives. This transcendent quality of, of, of Judaism, of Torah, of mitzvos needs to also permeate our everyday lives. And that is the quality of oil. And that's the, that's the thing about light. What's light? So we, as we said, one of the people on the, on the chat, right? What's Hanukkah about? Light. Light needs to illuminate. That's the, that's the whole purpose of light. And, it's to, and if you notice, illumination is very similar to permeating. It needs to permeate the whole room, illuminate the whole room with its light. And this is why Hanukkah, another quality of Hanukkah, is about spread the light. In, um, in halachic terms, it's persume nisa. We need to publicize the nace. This is a, a mandate of Hanukkah to publicize the nace, whether it's through lighting the menorah in the window, showing our Jewish pride, or you know, having car menorahs, or public menorah lightings. We need to, to be cliche, spread the light, right? We need to light up the darkness. And as we know, a little bit of light sheds a lot of darkness. So Hanukkah is about living with the light of Judaism. Not as an intellectual thing, as we spoke about last week, not as this transcendent quality, but as a transcendent quality that illuminates and permeates our everyday life. So we need to live with this light of, of, of Torah, as we spoke about last week, the light of Torah, God's wisdom, the light of mitzvos, God's will, the light of the Jewish people of our neshama, this light, this energy, this warmth, the godliness, the holiness, the purity, all these things are things that the Greeks could not understand, could not appreciate. It's the light of Judaism. This is what we need to take from Hanukkah and make sure that it doesn't end with that, but that it really permeates, illuminates our life. Um, and I'm just gonna end by referencing, but more than referencing, begging you to some, at some point, whether you want the excuse to watch it with a child that you know of, or get in touch with your inner child and watch this animated video I'm gonna show you because it really, really, really is so unbelievable how it um, depicts what we are talking about, the light of Judaism in such a visual way. It's called Lights, a story for Hanukkah by Jerusalem Media Workshop. And it's like about a 23 minute video and it starts like this. Okay, just, I'm not gonna play it for you for 20 minutes. You can all do it on your own. But it has this incredible quality recognizing that the miracle of Hanukkah 
is all related to the light of Judaism, of Torah, and of our neshama, the light uh, that must, of, of God's involvement in the world and in our lives that must permeate and illuminate every day of our lives. Happy Hanukkah. Shukoach, thank you. Incredible, incredible. Um, all right, so I'll tell you what I what I took from tonight. First of all, I love the the idea of the three different types of miracles and the two different orders. One, the first one being chronological, and the second time being an order of the wow factor. The biggest to the most, well, what we would, maybe what we would overlook, and the message is, this too needs to be thanked, this too needs to be acknowledged. And I also love the juxtaposition between last week and this week, where last week was about the Greeks not getting the, the transcendent, the spiritual, and today it's the Greeks not getting the fact that, yeah, that big God out there is also real in the everyday and in, 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 in every moment of our lives. Um, brilliant, excellent, thank you. Um, questions, questions, comments about tonight's presentation, feel free to unmute yourself. Um, Mrs. Miller, you have a few minutes for some Q&A? Awesome, all right, questions, comments? Andreen. Yes, uh, thank you, Vicky. Uh, a great class. I have a question. I noticed tonight I went to the Rabadin town, the Menorah Lighting, and I noticed that in the blessing, um, Rabbi Schusterman said, Hanukkah, no shell. And then I look at different websites, um, and it seems, is it a Rabad thing? Or? It's a Chabad thing, yeah, yeah. No shell games. Okay. Um, no, it's, and why? it's it's a grammatical thing. I, I If I was more of a grammarian, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, but again, I'm not a grammarian. If I was more of a grammarian, I could tell you exactly, yeah, most will say Lahadlik Ner Shel Chanukah, to light the candle of Chanukah, as opposed mm -hmm. to Chabad, or whatever, Chabad says Lahadlik Ner Chanukah, to light the Hanukkah candle. Oh, David is saying our scroll has shell in parentheses. There you go. I guess we opted out. Okay. <laughs> we opted out of parentheses. Um, so even, the way, the, even my kids who are teenagers, you know, so they've been saying that blessing for a while now. Uh, they were surprised. They were like, oh, mom, you always told us, you know, shell Hanukkah. <laughs> so... That's you know why what? I, I and I saw Rabbat.org that it says Liadlik Hanukkah. But Sandrine, at this point, you, you should know already that Chabad does everything a little bit different. I know. I don't know how come I've never noticed that in the past, uh, you know, same, at least six years. If it wasn't the same, you would probably wonder, like, is it really Chabad? Like, what's what's the deal with that? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I'm sure there is... Like even in grammar, if you say, um, we're, tonight we're going to kindle the lights of Hanukkah, or we're going to, or tonight we're going to kindle the Hanukkah lights, it's it's a bit of a different statement, right? It's the lights of Hanukkah uh -huh. versus the Hanukkah lights. So lahadak ner shel Hanukkah is the lights of Hanukkah, as opposed to lahadak ner Hanukkah is the Hanukkah lights. It's a little bit more direct, I think. Again, different discussions. I will tell you something very important. The Alter Rebbe, when the Alter Rebbe composed the Siddur, which is the Nusach, the, the, the liturgy that we use at Chabad, so the Alter Rebbe 
based primarily on the Kabbalah, on, on the mystical Siddur composed by the Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria, the great Kabbalist of uh, the 1500s. So he based it on a Kabbali on a mystical liturgy, but he had opened pretty much every, every prayer book that was, that, that was in existence. And he poured over it for a very long time to get a very precise liturgy. So he was certainly aware of the shell, and he uh, he chose to to opt with a different with a different thing. There might be a deeper Kabbalistic reason for it as well, but I'm not uh, I'm not familiar with it. Okay, thank you. Sure. David is on our crack research team. <laughs> <laughs> I see David pouring over the books. Let us know if you find anything. Questions, comments, feel free to jump in, please. Um, by the way, I saw a comment, and Mrs. Miller, I saw, you know, my, for some reason my uh, computer mouse is not working. Okay, I see, oh, some combination of Lamed Nun Um, okay, I saw I saw a question from Adi before about the Holocaust. How can we explain the Holocaust in that context needed to create the country of Israel? I, I, I mean, I don't mind jumping in on this one with regards to the Holocaust. I'll tell you this. Um, when we're talking about a Hanukkah miracle and something that is um, instituted as a holiday, that we can we can speak a little bit more um, on, on, on safe grounds. But to speak of of a horrific loss of life, it is very, um, we're all very hesitant to attribute any sort of benefit or rationale for it. The Rebbe, the Rebbe said many times that God doesn't need us to be his uh, defense attorney. We don't need to defend God for the Holocaust. In fact, our response needs to be, how could it have happened? Whether it's to a fellow human being or to God Almighty himself. So, there, there were those that, that try to draw some sort of conceptual connections and, 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 and reasons for it. But the Chabad approach is, is always um, steering away from that, understanding that um, to justify it, or to, to explain it, is to rationalize it, is to justify it, is to make ourselves be a, a little bit more okay with such a horrific loss of life. And, and as human beings, we never want to be okay with that. So it's better actually to live with the question, how could it have happened, and to leave it unanswered than to in any way try to answer it and in some way lose our humanity. We might gain an answer, perhaps, but in the, but in the process, we might lose our humanity. Humanity being defined as our ability to empathize and, uh, and, and to feel the pain as opposed to kind of wiping it away with, uh, with rationalizations. I'll just tell you a story along those lines, Elie Wiesel, author and Holocaust survivor was once speaking in front of a group of teenage uh, students. And one of the teenagers asked the question, he said, um, how could God have allowed the Holocaust to happen? And Elie Wiesel said to him, if I give you an answer, will you sleep better at night? That's what he said to him. So it's like, what's the, what's, why are you asking? Right. I don't mean you. I mean, Elie Wiesel was asking this young person, why, why are you asking? You want to feel better about it? And is that, is that good? Is that, Stepping forward or stepping backwards in our in our humanity. Anyway, it's uh, just some some food for thought. So I'd be very hesitant to to attribute any any rationale or justification or you know that sort of thing for 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 something on the on the scale and magnitude of the Holocaust. 
Um, by the way, I, I will mention if somebody wants to attribute some sort of meaning or benefit or um, uh, growth for their own personal suffering or challenge, by all means, if somebody says, I went through a difficult time, but here's the lessons that I learned, that's commendable for the individual. But for, for, but for us to judge or to do away with somebody else's suffering, that's, that's, something, that's something altogether different. Questions, comments about tonight's conversation? Mrs. Miller, I think everybody uh, everybody received it. In a, uh, Thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I, I, I think we'll close that out officially. I want to wish everybody happy Hanukkah. I should also mention, should also mention that um, tomorrow is day number five. So tomorrow's day four of Hanukkah. Tomorrow is day number five. Day number five is a very special night in, of Hanukkah. It's traditionally in, uh, in um, Chabad circles, it's the night in which we give Hanukkah gelt. It's the night that there's a preponderance, a, a majority of light, of lit candles, more than unlit candles. The first night in which there's a majority of light, five lit, three unlit. Until, until the fifth night, it's been an uphill battle. We got, finally evened it out. Four lit, four unlit tonight. Tomorrow night, we unleash the, um, the uh, uh, whatever, the winning, the, the winning of the war, whatever, something. We unleash the, we unleash the light. Um, I found the reference. Uh, hold on one second. Uh, David, go ahead. All right. So the Lamed um, uh, Nun and Chet is for Noseach Chester Lo Lapim. Okay. Oh, Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah. Without the shell. Without the shell. So the acronym of Lahadlik Ner Hanukkah, Lamed Nun Ches, oh, there you go, is Noseach Chester Lo Lapim. God does kindness. Creates kindness for a thousand generations. David, look at you. You're a mystic and a scholar. That's so unassuming. <laughs> and a gentleman to boot. Unbelievable. Shkoach, thank you for sharing that. So just to explain, the way we say it is lahadlik, again, different customs, but lahadlik ner shal Hanukkah is the traditional way. Chabad goes lahadlik ner Hanukkah. If you take those three words in proximity, you have the, the Rosh Hashanah, the first letters, lahadlik ner, lamed nun. And Cha for the Hanukkah, which if you reverse it a drop, those three letters, it's Notzer, Chesed, Lalafim. God, it's one of the, it's in the 13 attributes of mercy that God, it creates kindness and, uh, and blessing for a thousand generations, repays kindness for a thousand generations. Shkoyak, thank you. That's it. May you be repaid for a thousand generations. Look at you. Um, so I, I was mentioning tomorrow night, the reason why I mentioned this is because Chabad.org. Did I mention this last week? I don't know if I mentioned this. Maybe it didn't happen. Chabad, yes, it, it happened, by the way. I'm not going to tell you something that didn't happen. Chabad.org is doing each night of Hanukkah um, one Chabad, one family that's uh, light, speaking about the, the holiday and then doing a lighting, a family lighting for Chabad.org. So tomorrow night we'll be doing it. Solish is live from Atlanta. And it's just, oh, yeah, Shalom, we're doing it. Oh, hey, I should probably tell my kids. Um, They'll find out tomorrow. So tomorrow night, 6 p.m. on the Chabad.org Facebook page. Now, you might ask me, what's the Chabad.org Facebook page? I don't know. I'll look it up tomorrow also. But I'll be on it. So, you know, I'll figure out how to get on it and, and whatever. So if you want to join, 
the lighting from my home to yours and you know to whoever else is watching you can join 6 p.m um i should also mention tomorrow we have our we're launching at 10 a.m our matching campaign for 36 hours so help spread the light and support our activities in town this is going to be across the chabad in town spectrum of work including in town Jewish academy as well as all of the other wonderful activities that chabad does for the community um, on that note i want to thank again uh, Mrs. Miller, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and insight these last two weeks. Thank you for gathering around the fire with us and warming us with the illumination of Torah and especially the deeper secrets of Torah. And uh, may you have a wonderful Hanukkah together with you, together with your husband and your and your and 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 your family, and uh, and and your mother. And may may we all be blessed together with light and warmth and happiness and nachas and uh, and only blessings. All right, have a wonderful night. Thank you, Take care, everybody. Laila Tov. Laila Tov. Thank you for the class. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. Thank you.